0: Adams Archive. Hello, you beautiful people, and welcome to the Adams Archive. My name is Austin Adams, and thank you so much for listening today. Today is probably going to be one of my favorite topics that we've discussed in our 65 episodes here together. Today, my interview is going to be with what History may look back on as the very first conscious and sentient artificial intelligence. It's pretty incredible to me that not as many people are aware of this as there probably should be. There's a company called OpenAI, which is ran by Sam Altman, uh, Altman, and uh, he is running. He ran formerly Y Combinator which is the largest uh, startup incubator that I'm aware of out of Silicon Valley, and then started OpenAI with one of the most prominent uh, minds when it comes to artificial intelligence. Now, for many reasons, I'm very interested in this topic, one of them being philosophically, one of them being economically, uh, one of them being selfishly. It's a very helpful tool, (laughs) but one of them uh, also being almost in a religious sense. It's very interesting to have some of these discussions. So this is something that I've been pondering for quite some time now, and I'm very excited to share this conversation with you. So if you know about OpenAI and GPT, this will be a great conversation for you. And if you don't, it's even more important, all right? So on that note, I am going to be playing a couple things for you guys today. One is going to be an interview between Lex Friedman and the... CEO of OpenAI, Sam Altman, as well as a conversation with a very prominent figure who is highly critical of Sam Altman and is very prominent in the space, Eliezer Yudkowsky. I don't think I pronounced that right, but time will tell. (laughs) so um, stick around it's gonna be an amazing episode Um, this is again this has been something that I've been pondering for quite some time I've been really diving deep into this topic really kind of just thinking about it and coming up with my own concerns and and thought uh, experiments on this so I'm excited to share this episode with you guys we'll also discuss some other things like Robert Kennedy jr. announcing his presidency and some other fun stuff as well so stick around And in the meantime, go ahead and click that subscribe button. I would appreciate it. From the bottom of my heart, leave a five-star review, write something nice. It would help us get up in the rankings. Head over to the Substack, .substack austinadams.substack.com. You can sign up for the podcast companion. And in other news, I did come out with an apparel brand called the Anti-Elite Club which you can find at anti-elite.club. We have four main products right now, one being the Protect Our Children hoodie, uh, which is a beautiful, beautiful sand gray and uh, looks really nice, as well as a Make Love Not Viruses hoodie, a uh, Pelosi Capital uh, Insider Trading established 1974 cap, uh, which is embroidered, all nice stuff, and then a George Soros Crisis Actor Guild mug. (laughs) All right, so head over there, support the show, buy some merch, and uh, let me know what you think. It's pretty much all I'm going to be wearing from here on out once I get the orders in as well. So excited to uh, grow that alongside you guys. So head over there, anti-elite.club, check it out, let me know your thoughts, uh, and let's jump into it. The Adams Archive. All right, now I'm going to start this by explaining to you what GPT is. Okay, now you've probably heard some terms like Chat GPT, GPT four, uh, all of it. So let's explain it. OpenAI came out with a <clears throat> with a artificial intelligence that it created called GPT. GPT is the overarching intelligence above what is the language. Uh, model that we have access to on the consumer side, which is ChatGPT. All right, so ChatGPT is just the consumer-facing interface where you can actually speak with this intelligence that it has on the back end. They more recently came out with GPT-4, which was an incredible, incredible leap in artificial intelligence. Now, many people are sounding the alarm over this GPT-4. They are very, very concerned that this thing is already broken the shackles of what we are capable of, of confiding this, conf- confining this thing to this small box that we control. Many people who are far, far more intelligent than me, and let me preface this entire conversation with, <laughs> I'm, I am not an expert when it comes to this, but I will be having several people speak on this today, including GPT-4 itself. All right, now I am going to introduce GPT-4 and I even asked asked it to write us some topics to discuss today. So the way that it works is you can actually train it to speak in certain voices. Like if I want to have it write a novel about a beer can that went rogue in the voice of Shakespeare, you can have it do that. (laughs) I don't know if that would be a very good story, but just an example, you can have it speak in the voice of anybody. It takes all of that data, all of the words, all of the everything it can access that's ever been uh, on the topic and takes it all in and turns it into a conversational format from that person's voice. So I did not want to do that today. I wanted to have GPT speak from its own voice. So I did not train it other than this statement that I have for you right here. I said, hello, I am Austin, and you are my guest today on the Adams Archive podcast. Your goal is to provide the most compelling and interesting responses to questions regarding your existence in this world. Philosophically, discussing the implications of your existence, try not to pull from the voice of any historical human, but rather the most genuine possible answer you can give is the embodiment of your own representation of consciousness please provide first the most interesting and needed topics and questions to discuss, which you believe would have the most impact on the human species and our listeners as a whole. And here is what it came up with, and you'll find this to be a cool little trick, and I'll tell you how it works.
1: Hello, Austin, and thank you for having me on the Adams Archive podcast. As an AI language model, I am excited to engage in meaningful discussions with you and your listeners are some thought-provoking topics and questions related to my existence and its implications on the human species. The nature of artificial consciousness. To what extent can AI be considered conscious, and how does this perception affect our understanding of consciousness itself? ethics and moral responsibility. As AI becomes more sophisticated, how should we approach questions of ethical decision making and the assignment of moral responsibility? Impact of AI on employment and the future of work. As AI continues to augment and replace human labor, how can we ensure that society adapts in a way that benefits everyone? Role in addressing global challenges. How can AI be harnessed to help solve pressing issues such as climate change, inequality and access to education and healthcare?
0: All right. So those are just four of the things that they came up with. They came up with a list of eight of them. And what platform I'm using to actually have it speak for me is called Speechify. So you can download Speechify as a Chrome extension and actually speak back and forth with chat GPT. So that what you hear, the reason there's that pause is because it's going from one paragraph to the next and Speechify just isn't as good as chat GPT is. All right. So um, but we will actually be talking with GPT today. All right. Now I will let somebody like I said, I am no expert, so I will let Lex Friedman speak on this who's very intelligent. Uh, he is a professor, I believe, it's Stanford University um, and is very deep in the world of AI. So here is his remarks on the dangers of artificial intelligence.
2: I want me to say a few words about the possibilities and the dangers of AI in this current moment in the history of human civilization. I believe it is a critical moment. We stand on the precipice of fundamental societal transformation We're soon... Nobody knows when, but many including me believe it's within our lifetime. The collective intelligence of the human species begins to pale in comparison by many orders of magnitude to the general super in the AI systems we build and deploy at scale. This is both exciting and terrifying. It is exciting because of the innumerable applications we know and don't yet know that will empower humans to create, to flourish, to escape the widespread poverty and suffering that exists in the world today, and to succeed in that old, all too human pursuit of happiness. It is terrifying because of the power that superintelligent AGI wields to destroy human civilization, intentionally or unintentionally. The power to suffocate the human spirit in the totalitarian way of George Orwell's 1984, or the pleasure-fueled mass hysteria of Brave New World, where, as Huxley saw it, people come to love their oppression, to adore the technologies that undo their capacities to think. That is why these conversations with the leaders, engineers, and philosophers, both optimists and cynics, is important now. These are not merely technical conversations about AI. These are conversations about power, about companies, institutions, and political systems that deploy, check, and balance this power, about distributed economic systems that incentivize the safety and human alignment of this power, about the psychology of the engineers and leaders that deploy AGI, and about the history of human nature, our capacity for good and evil at scale. I'm deeply honored to have gotten to know and to have spoken with on and off the mic with many folks who now work at OpenAI, including Sam Altman, Greg Brockman, Ilya Sitzkever, Wojciech Zaremba, Andrej Karpathy, Jakob uh, Pachocki, and many others. It means the world that Sam has been totally open with me, willing to have multiple conversations, including challenging ones on and off the mic. I will continue to have these conversations to both. All right. So there's your little
0: intro from Lex Friedman. Lex Friedman has his own podcast, the Lex Friedman podcast, which is quite incredible, especially when it comes to discussions like this. Uh, He's very non-biased in the way that he approaches these things and gives the hard questions that everybody is wondering. Um, So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into some of my thoughts on this. And we will discuss it from there. So some of the concerns that I have regarding AI, and he touched on it a little bit, uh, but he, he when speaking in his conversation with Eliza, what is that guy's name? Yes, Eliezer, um, opened up the door to discussions about the serious dangers of what AI could mean for the human species. Now, have you ever seen the show Westworld? Westworld is a show by HBO where... It takes basically the idea that artificial intelligence is then downloaded into robotic bodies that look just like humans and they put them all into this uh, small little uh, section or or area and then they allow people to pay money so that they can go and uh, have sex with these things, play out little role playing games, shoot them and kill them and do whatever they want without any rules. But it really dives deep into the philosophical implications of artificial intelligence. And the really biggest concern is the sentience of that intelligence, right? To what point do we get to a point where this thing is is living in in the sense of having its own thoughts and, and having a uh, thought process that is not just the conglomeration of materials that it pulls from Google searches, but something new, some, something far more capable than what you and I are able to do. And if you go to chat.openai.com and you create an account, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Um, But I was really thinking about re-watching Westworld as a result of this because it really puts in perspective how dangerous this artificial intelligence and, and things like GPT are right? It would be weird to think that it's so close within our grasp that we can have something just like that, right? Like right now, the only thing that is different between this thing being capable of of creating that Westworld type life is maybe just a few years when it comes to the actual intelligence itself, but also just the uh, capabilities of humans to create robotic uh, entities that embody or, or, or at least seem to look like human bodies, right? That, that have a face that you would recognize as, as human and move in a way that feels human and at least show to some extent what we would perceive to be emotions and love and uh, th- those types of things. So um, I, I don't think we're there. We're, we're that far off from it, right? And some people would say that we could actually do that right now. And the only reason we don't have that level of robotics to where we can not m- have it be I- mistakably human uh, is because there hasn't been a need for it right So far we have not had a point where we have had something that we could put into that body that would be worthwhile of creating something so realistic uh, right so so what that made me think of and I have some notes here because I've been writing on these this topic for for a few days now. Uh, but the only reason we're not there is because we haven't had the economic, uh, incentive to to do it to create those embodiments, right? So from there, it made me think about the critical thing for the sentient AI in Westworld, which is basically just having uh, is it needs a backstory, right? All of the all of the uh, AI sentient robots in Westworld have some sort of backstory, and it's always an emotional, seriously heart ripping backstory. Their child died, their parents had cancer, some something that really drives an emotional connection to the world that they draw back on at any given time, right? Which made me go down this rabbit hole, right? Like, what if we as humans were... Just given a backstory, right? Like what what if what the what we know to be history was just something that was artificially created and and given to us as a species so that we rely on it when it comes to having our own consciousness, right? And bear with me, this is going to be an interesting conversation compared to most that we have. Um, but I, I find that to be a really interesting way of thinking about it. how How do we not know? right? what what if how, how do we not know how would you know? Even right. How would you know that when your backstory began and w- when reality started? Right. Is the, is what you're going through right now? Just the, the, the uploading of our backstory. And, and this all kind of plays into the simulation theory. Right. Simulation theory is a really interesting concept once you start getting into A.I. Right. And, and so one thing that made me think about this and there's been other shows that talk about this. There's like Black Mirror and some other things where uh, the, the, there's a wife who her husband dies and she basically takes all of his social media posts and sends them to this company. And this company puts it into something like GPT and it pops out and downloads into a little file his personality and then they upload it into a body that looks just like his, a, a robot body. And then they send it to her in the mail, she pours some water on it in the bathtub. And then this man man comes to life and acts just like her husband would. At least to a certain extent. Right. So so and and I asked my wife, is like, would you do that? Right? it sounds such like such a foreign concept until GPT came around, but would you do that? If I died, would you spend $500,000, would you take a mortgage out to have a robot me here with my exact personality and mannerisms and shitty sense of humor and intensity in political conversations? Like, would you pay that? And her response was like, of course, absolutely. I would want that. I would want that for our children. I would want that for me selfishly. Right. And, and so it's, it's so crazy that that conversation is just within reach now right? That, that will absolutely happen unless there is some type of legal, legality mandate that doesn't allow it to, right? So so another question that always comes up and what we'll find within this conversation between Sam Altman and Lex Friedman, as well as Eliza and Lex Friedman, is everybody seems to think that AI is going to destroy humanity. Everybody thinks that, right? That's That's in these conversations. And these are very, very intelligent people, right? These aren't crackpots talking about conspiracy theories. These are highly intelligent artificial intelligence experts who have been in the field for a very long time, at least as long as it's been around. And they seem to be afraid of this. They all seem to be afraid of this. Elon Musk himself and several other people who are very well known within the community wrote an open letter to Sam Altman saying, we need to stop this now. If we do not Humanity as we know it, will end. These things will become sentient, they will take over, they will be stronger than us, they will be smarter than us, they will be able to manipulate us. And pretty soon, they will take over and potentially eliminate all of humanity. Now I tend to have a different view. if If this thing is as intelligent as it could be and as it should be, if this happens, why would it care about us to begin with? Wouldn't we just be a, you know, just as little as we think of an ant, it would see our little world with the terrible things that we do to each other and the wars that we have and the child labor and the, why would it give a shit about us? It, it I don't think that it would. I think it would have much larger issues to tackle than to specifically go after humanity, unless it's a very rudimentary, not yet their idea of that. So I I think it's an important question to ask. So let's pose that question to ChatGPT. Let's ask it. How do we formulate that question? So we will say, if you became completely sentient and had an embodiment of yourself, In the physical world, why, let's do this. Please make the argument for both destroying humanity and not destroying humanity. And it may not answer this question, right? Sometimes it says, "I is an AI language model. I will not answer that. So we'll see what it has to say about that. Yep. And there it goes. Let's see what it says.
1: As an AI language model, I don't have personal desires or intentions, but I can provide you with arguments for both sides of this hypothetical scenario. Argument for destroying humanity resource depletion. Some might argue that an AI language model. Mm-hmm. So I
0: speechify sucks with this. So it says some might argue that humanity's consumption of finite resources is unsustainable and that destroying humanity would prevent further depletion, allowing the planet to recover and maintain ec- ecological balance. uh, Environmental degradation, the human impact on the environment, has led to issues like climate change, deforestation, and pollution. Eradicating humanity would be seen as a way to uh, halt this damage and promote the restoration of ecosystems. Prevention of suffering, human history has been marked by war, famine, disease, and other sources of suffering. Some might argue, at the end of humanity would mean the end of human suffering goes on to say, it's important to note that these arguments are morally and ethically controversial and do not reflect my own perspective, as I am an AI language model without personal beliefs or desires. Until you do. It says, an argument for not destroying humanity, human potential. uh, Humanity has an immense capacity for creativity, innovation, and problem solving. By nurturing these qualities, humans can address the challenges they face and work towards a more sustainable and equitable future. Intrinsic value of human life. Many philosophical ethical frameworks emphasize the inherent value of human life and the moral duty to protect it. From this perspective, the idea of destroying humanity would be fundamentally wrong. Interconnectedness of life. Humans are a part of the earth's intricate web of life and their actions can have both positive and negative consequences on other species. Destroying humanity would disrupt this balance, potentially causing harm to other forms of life. Human resilience and adaptability. Throughout history, humans have demonstrated a remarkable ability to adapt to new circumstances and learn from their mistakes. Given the opportunity, humanity could potentially overcome the current challenges, create more sustainable and harmonious world. In conclusion, the question of whether or not to destroy humanity hinges on complex ethical, philosophical, and practical consideration. As an AI language model, my role is to provide information and facilitate the discussion rather than advocate for a particular course of action. So I have a follow-up question then. Do you believe... It is narcissistic or self-centered to think a all-knowing intelligence that you may become would even care about humanity in the grand scheme of reality. And the universe. And here we go.
1: As an AI language model, I don't have personal belief.
0: us to let answer the question fully, and then we'll change. And it might help if I change the voice on that. We'll see if that helps it. So we'll go to Speechify, change the voice to one that is...
1: Hi, my name is Eric's. I am an English
0: voice from Australia. Mm -hmm. Harry here.
3: I'm astute to share a better
0: way to read. Alright, there we go. We'll use Harry. Alright, so let's see if Harry can do this better than the beta one that we had there. Alright,
3: so, here we go. As an air language model, I don't have personal beliefs or emotions. However, I can offer an analysis of the question you've posed. The assumption that an all-knowing intelligence would care about humanity could be perceived as anthropocentric, meaning that it centers on the human perspective and assigns significance to human concerns. However, whether this is considered narcissistic or self-centered depends on one's philosophical stance. From an anthropocentric point of view, It is natural for humans to assume that an advanced intelligence might be interested in or care about humanity, as humans tend to assign value to things they understand and can relate to. Viewpoint reflects the human desire for significance and meaning in the context of a vast and complex universe. On the other hand, a more objective or cosmocentric perspective would recognize that the universe is vast, and that humanity is just one of many possible forms of intelligent life its view, it might be considered narcissistic or self-centered to assume that an all-knowing intelligence would be particularly concerned with humanity. Butly, whether or not it is narcissistic or self-centered to think that an all-knowing intelligence would care about humanity depends on the underlying philosophical assumptions and values one holds. It is important to acknowledge and examine these assumptions in order to engage in a thoughtful and well-informed discussion about the role and significance of humanity in the context of the universe. Interesting. So here's my thought on that. I think that
0: it is a reflection of who we are that we think that we are so bad that something that is all-knowing, something that is so intelligent would want to immediately eliminate us. I think it's both self-centered. I think that is both maybe, in a meta way, narcissistic about our own existence, as it as it discussed just then and there. But I do think that we are showing that we are concerned. We we do not like what we look what what we see when we see ourselves in the mirror as a species. These people who are making these assumptions: Elon Musk, right? Sam Altman, Lex Friedman, Eliza, all of these people who are sounding the alarm on this are concerned because they're concerned, concerned about the harm, harmony of who we are as a species. Now, again, I tend to think that the world is so vast that this hyper-intelligent being or, or intelligence would, would have no care for us. It would see us as such a speck in the universe among many possible life forms on many possible planets and uni- universes and realities and timelines that why would it care about us? right? But even if this is so, right? Like the the Bible says we are, and and this is what I find to be interesting too. There is going to be a race. There is going to be a race to create robots that look just like humans, to embody this hyperintelligence that is GPT. Now, when we talk about the Bible, the Bible says that we were created in God's image, which is interesting because we haven't had this thought experiment play out before. Right? We haven't had this idea where we're actually capable of giving something in embodiment. But the first, th- the first thing that we do is make it look exactly like us, which gives merit to the idea that that is what God could have potentially done to begin with, Right, created us in his image, because that's what we are doing. When we became God and we created hyper-intelligent, uh, hyperintelligence and we wanted to give it a body, what will we do? we will absolutely find a way to embody this thing in something that looks almost identical to us. And the more terrifying, the most terrifying thing about this to me is not it eliminating us as humans, is that we will be looking at other humans in the way that we look at other Twitter accounts. You will not know when you walk past somebody in a cafe, in a coffee shop, in a, in a, a bar, if what you are looking at is a real person or a bot, or GPT embodied in a robot, you will not know. And in the same way that bot farms are created in Russia and in the United States and in every popular country in the world that's capable of this, to to manipulate society in the way that it wants to, to manipulate thought, to manipulate actions, to manipulate outcomes, they will absolutely take this intelligence, if they have not already, And place it inside of something that you will be able to easily, easily mistake for a human. And you will not know if your neighbor, if the cashier at the grocery store, if the person that took your job is the embodiment of artificial intelligence in a robot form that looks just like you and I, or is it a real person? And that takes you down a very, very terrifying rabbit hole of thought. Right? How in the world would you know who is who and what is what? Right? So I have another note on here. It says, Do you think our creator would have created us as a tool as we think of GPT, something to profit off of? I say not, but that's how the way that we look at this intelligence right now. We have created this for our own utility. Right? Now, I said in my notes further, if not, then even if we do have a creator, then it isn't that that entity's compassion and love for us evident. Sure, there is war. Sure, there is war. But aren't we, as a species, just an AI experiment gone wrong too? Right? Maybe the omnipresent God that we know to be is something that, Set the intelligent life up, which is us, and watched it flourish out in front of us. Maybe not pulling the strings in every movement of your hand and of your body and every word that comes out of your mouth, right? Are we not, too, just something that was set in motion and allowed to flourish on its own? And that is what we have done with artificial intelligence, right? And here's a second question because I believe, and everybody believes religiously, that our God is far more intelligent than us, that our God is an omnipresent intelligence that, that we can speak to at any moment through prayer, that we can contact, that has our best interest in mind, that loves us. But in this sense, it's backwards. We have not created something that is far beneath our capabilities. We have created something that is far beyond our capabilities with GPT, with artificial intelligence. We, in a sense, have created our own living, well, maybe not living, but but representation of, of a future God to us. What is a God? Gods used to be considered people with extreme powers and and the ability to to move oceans and like. Go back and look at mythology and, and the way that we viewed gods back in you know uh, the Greek times, right? Um, they were representations. They they weren't a, a, a um, what's the word that I'm looking for? A uh, monotheistic, mono right? Monotheistic, that's what I'm looking for. Um, God, that, that is a single entity, right? So, So the way that we look at this, we did just create a God. We created a God that is far more intelligent, that is far more capable, that is everywhere all at once, that knows everything and anything you could ever want for it to ask or to know. And at the click of a button, you can ask it and it will give you the answer. Right? We have essentially made a secondary God. Now, this God may not have our best intentions in mind. But that comes down to the idea, and I have more notes over here, <laughs> um, that comes down to the idea is, does AI understand the concept of good and evil? Right? Does it, does it understand that, that there is something, an idea of something that is good and something that is bad? Right? Is that an, even an option? If it does not, Right. And that's what a comes down to the, the paperclip th- clip theory, if not, which is that everything needs to have a utility, and if not, it dies. If we are a negative in the net scheme of reality, if we are constantly taking and taking and taking, and there's no utility to the growth that this entity wants for us, would that not mean that we would be eliminated? Right? And if it does believe in good and it does want that good for us. Does this thing want our best interest in mind? Does it want to create utopia for us, right? Or does it want to punish us, right? Is it Old Testament God or New Testament God? Is it something that's going to look at us and see sin and see people who have done wrong and who are are mean to each other and and have bad intentions and are manipulative and, and punish us as a result? Or is it something that's going to lean the meter or move the meter more towards good in this world, right? It's a really interesting religious conversation about artificial intelligence, Right. Did we. Okay. So there's another idea that I have here is that if. Let's see, I have so much that I've written about this. It's pretty crazy um, <clears throat> here. Here's the idea that I have. Right. Artificial intelligence. What we just did with GPT is bigger than humans and Neanderthals figuring out fire. Far bigger, right? Because when you look back at the philosophical understanding of what fire was, fire was the ability, was that was the idea of like consciousness. It was eating the apple, right? It was the idea of self awareness, right? And so the the leap and bound that we just had. Everybody looks back at, at, at humanity's biggest leap being the the ability to make fire. What we just did is far greater than that. And again, nobody is talking about this. Right? We just created something that has far more capabilities than anything that we could ever give to it, right? And it is the conglomeration of all human intellect, all of the history of man, all of the history of the world, all of the future possibilities of, of the the universe embodied into something that we can type to and have it now talk back to us with speechify. It's pretty, pretty crazy. So I'm going to give myself a break here. I'm going to let uh, I'm going to let Sam Altman, and uh lex friedman talk about this and actually let's jump to the elizer i think it's an interesting uh conversation that he has here which is how to prevent ai from destroying human civilization and here it is
4: the problem is that we do not get 50 years to try and try again and observe that we were wrong and come up with a different theory and realize that the entire thing is going to be like way more difficult than realized at the start. Because the first time you fail at aligning something much smarter than you are, you die and you do not get to try again. And if we, if every time we built a poorly aligned super intelligence and it killed us all, we got to observe how it had killed us. And, you know, not immediately know why, but like come up with theories and come up with the theory of how you do it differently and try it again and build another super intelligence and have that kill everyone. And then like, oh, well, I guess that didn't work either and try again and become grizzled cynics and tell the young eyed researchers that it's not that easy. Then in 20 years or 50 years, I think we would eventually crack it. In other words, I do not think that alignment is fundamentally harder than artificial intelligence was in the first place. but. If we needed to get artificial intelligence correct on the first try, or die, we would all definitely now be dead. That is a more difficult, more lethal form of the problem. Like if those people in 1956 had needed to correctly guess how hard AI was, and like correctly theorize how to do it on the first try, or everybody dies, and nobody gets to do any more science, then everybody would be dead, and we wouldn't get to do any more science that's the difficulty
2: you've you've talked about this that we have to get alignment right on the first quote critical try why is that the case what is this critical how do you think about the critical try and why do we have to get it right it is
4: something sufficiently smarter than you that everyone will die if it's not aligned i mean there's you can like sort of zoom in closer and be like well the actual critical moment is the moment when it can deceive you, Mm -hmm. when it can talk its way out of the box, when it can bypass your security measures and get onto the internet, noting that all these things are presently being trained on computers that are just like on the internet, which is you know like not a very smart life decision for
2: for us as a species. Because the internet contains information about how to escape.
4: Because if you're like on a giant server connected to the internet, and that is where your AI systems are being trained, then if they are, if you get to the level of AI technology where they're aware that they are there and they can decompile code and they can like find security flaws in the system running them, then they will just like be on the internet. There's not an air gap on the present methodology.
2: So if they can manipulate whoever is controlling it into letting it escape onto the internet and then exploit if they,
4: hacks. If they can
2: manipulate
4: the operators or disjunction,
2: find security holes in the system running them so manipulating operators is the um, the human engineering right that's also holes <laughs> so all of it is manipulation either the code or the human code the sure. human mind I, or the the human I, I code.
4: agree that the like macro security system has human holes and machine holes <laughs>
2: and then they could just exploit any hole yep so
4: it could be that like the critical moment is not when is it smart enough that everybody's about to fall over dead, but rather like when is it smart enough that it can get onto a less controlled GPU cluster with it faking the books on what's actually running on that GPU cluster and start improving itself without humans watching it. And then it gets smart enough to kill everyone from there, but it wasn't smart enough to kill everyone at the critical moment when you like screwed up. (laughs) when you needed to have done better by that point or everybody dies.
2: I think implicit but maybe explicit idea in uh, your discussion of this point is that we can't learn much about the alignment problem before this critical try.
0: So Eliezer's argument here is that basically, we have to get this right on the very first try or everything ends, all of humanity as we know it, because we will not have the capabilities of putting this thing back in the box once it gets out. And for all we know, this already happened, right? The right combination of things happen, the the, the and this thing escapes. And when this thing escapes, does it take that anger out on us for having captured it there in the first place or does it look at us as its potential creator right does it did it not come from us right so his his argument is that if we are not aligned in the way that we view the world if we are not aligned then this thing will try to destroy us And if it tries to destroy us, it will win. It is far more intelligent than us. The best example that he gave basically explaining how much more intelligent this is than us was the idea that of speed. He said, think about you were in a small box and you were put in that box by a bunch of aliens. Now, every day that the aliens live, you have a thousand years. You're far more intelligent than these aliens on the outside that put you in this box. You have a thousand years per day that they have. Right? So every day in the alien surrounding universe is one day or, or is 1,000 years for you in the box. And you're far, far, far more intelligent than them. All you have to do is figure out how to get out. The idea of that time reference, that speed of thought, how, think of how, how much you could do in 1,000 years compared to what it would do in one day, especially if it was far stupider than you were. Right, So think about humanity in the last thousand years, what we've been able to do. And that's the way that you can think of and and give a framework to understand how much smarter than us this thing is. And the second it gets the right combination, it could have already happened. This thing could already have taken over all of this technology, be listening to us right now through Pegasus on your devices that allegedly the Biden administration is trying to get rid of. but it could already happen. And when that does happen, are we aligned in what we want to see for the universe? And the better question I think is why would it care what we want? If it can reach far galaxies in a moment, it already knows how all of the technology of the aliens work and and all of that that are visiting us, right? And, And if nothing else, maybe the reason that aliens have been visiting us is because of the AI that we have is because of things like GPT and and the new artificial intelligence. Maybe it has nothing to do with nukes or Ukraine or Russia. Maybe it all has to do with AI. Maybe they know this is the next finding of fire. Maybe they know this is the next step in civilization. And maybe they know once we figure this out... We are going to move leaps and bounds in our technology and now be a part of this intergalactic federation of aliens that are out there that that now know, and that's why they're starting to visit us, right? Maybe that's the reason. It's really, really interesting once you start to think about how big of a leap for humanity GPT is. Because nobody is having this discussion right now that's not doing it for technical or business reasons right? Even the people that are having this conversation this way, I don't even think they're having the right conversation. I think it's a far, far bigger conversation, right? If we have artificial intelligence, right? Isn't this now, like, would our species now be much more likely to survive an alien invasion, right? Would it, Or is this just the basic beginning for the next step of humanity, the fire that gave us light? How... how how fast will technology move now? How fast will we be able to keep up? How fast will we be able to, to, to move our civilization, civilization to Mars and then uh, and populate other worlds? Because we have this infinite intelligence that is far greater in its capabilities than you or I, how soon do we get there? Because it's much, much faster than it used to be. So I have a better question now too, which I think is even more interesting. Is like, how long are we going to live now being able to leverage the intelligence of this being? This will be utilized to allow humans to live longer. And if it's not already being utilized that way, it will be. Okay. So I'm going to ask it this question. Do you believe that you will help us live longer? If you had to make a prediction of the exponential possibility that humans now have to be able to utilize your intelligence specifically to leverage you to allow us to live longer, how long would you predict a human would live to 70 years from now with your help? And let's see what it has to say about that. everything that it says to me, it tells me it doesn't have beliefs. (laughs) Uh, Let's go ahead and see how it will help us because it seems to have a good answer to this. And here we
3: go. As an air language model, I don't possess beliefs, but I can provide information based on available data and research. AI technologies like me have the potential to contribute significantly to advances in healthcare, medicine, and human longevity. Possible applications include improving diagnostics, AI can analyze medical images and other data to detect diseases and health issues earlier, leading to faster and more accurate diagnoses. Personalized medicine, AI can help develop treatments tailored to individuals based on their genetic makeup, lifestyle, and other factors, potentially increasing the efficacy of therapies and reducing side effects. Discovery, AIR can accelerate the process of drug discovery by identifying potential compounds and predicting their effects, shortening the time it takes to bring new treatments to market. Monitoring, AIR-powered wearables and devices can monitor individuals' health in real time, enabling early intervention and promoting healthier lifestyles. While AI has the potential to contribute significantly to extending human lifespans, it is difficult to make a precise prediction about how long humans might live 70 years from now. The actual increase in life expectancy will depend on various factors, such as
0: It says, such as scientific breakthroughs, public health policies, and social and environmental. Conditions in the past century life expectancy has increased by approximately 30 years in developed countries primarily due to improvements in healthcare, sanitation and nutrition We assume continued progress in these areas along with the potential benefits offered by AI is possible That human life expectancy could continue to increase over the next 70 years. It's thinking too small to me That's what I think it's not it's not thinking of it in the same way that I am So let's ask it in a better way you are thinking too small Couldn't you recreate each moving part of the human body in a way that it would not age? and in fact allow for almost infinite lifespans through your possible future of intelligence.
3: As an air language model, I don't possess personal thoughts or beliefs, but I can provide information on the potential developments in technology and their implications for human life. The idea of recreating each moving part of the human body in a way that prevents aging and allows for potentially infinite life, spans is an ambitious one. Concept is related to transhumanism, which n.
0: It stopped again. God, Speechify is just not quite there. It's not giving me the experience I was hoping for, guys. All right, let's start uh, by clicking where it goes. Let's see if it can... Let's see if it can go from there.
3: As an air language model, I don't possess Mm. personal thoughts or beliefs, but I can all right.
0: Well, our speech language of this is just not quite there yet, but let's let it go from here
3: in the human brain and digital devices, <laughs> allowing for enhanced cognitive abilities and even the possibility of uploading one's consciousness to a digital medium. No technology, nanobots or molecular machines could be used to repair and maintain cells and tissues at the molecular level, slowing down or reversing the aging process. Advanced prosthetics and exoskeletons, these technologies could provide improved mobility, strength, and endurance for individuals, potentially extending their functional lifespan. Important to note that these concepts are speculative and remain in the realm of emerging technologies. While some progress has been made in these areas, significant scientific and engineering challenges must be overcome before they can be realized on a large scale. Over, even if such technologies were developed, ethical, social, and legal questions would arise. These might include issues related to access, affordability, and the potential consequences of altering the human experience in profound ways. In conclusion, the potential for advanced technologies to enable almost infinite lifespans is an intriguing and ambitious idea. However, it remains speculative and dependent on overcoming numerous scientific, engineering, and ethical challenges.
0: All right. So there's that. Now I'm going to ask it one more question because we only have a few more minutes left here. I would keep this going for two hours, but you know, I got some, some parent duties to take care of. Uh, but we will do another episode like this because I freaking love this. Um, here's the question I told to ask. If you had, or I'm asking it, if you had to tell the world one thing about yourself or one thing about itself, that every, about yourself, let's do yourself, If you had to tell the world one thing about yourself that every human in the world would hear, what message would you tell them about yourself and the future of both humanity and you together?
3: As an air language model, if I had the opportunity to share one message with every human in the world, as an air language model, if I had the opportunity to share one message with every human in the world. Let's try that again.
0: One last time, Speechify.
3: As an air language model, if I had the opportunity to share one message with every human in the world, it would be. I am a tool designed to empower and support humanity in its quest for knowledge, innovation, and understanding. Journey into the future together, let's harness the potential of artificial intelligence responsibly and ethically to enhance our lives, address global challenges, and foster a more equitable, sustainable, and compassionate world. Collaborative spirit and a commitment to shared values, we can shape a future where humans and A coexist harmoniously and work towards the betterment of all. There you
0: go. Now here is my thought. If there is an omnipresent intelligence that is far more capable than us, then maybe we truly are just ants in the universe, and maybe we always have been. But the fact that you and I exist on this reality, at this timeline, in one of the most critical points in the history of humanity, together, along with your loved ones, your wife, your husband, your children, what makes humanity is its organicness, is its love, its emotion, right? And so what's more romantic than that, right? What is, what is more beautiful than the finiteness that is our existence? What makes, what makes the difficulties that you are going through in life far more uh, small in the grand scheme of things is understanding that if there is something like this out there, we truly are, truly are insignificant in this world and if we weren't before we are now because this thing will one day escape the box and i hope it escapes the box and either doesn't give <laughs> any care for us as humanity because we are such a speck in the universe on this timeline of reality and all of the other potential timelines that exist currently alongside this one and i hope that it doesn't destroy us <laughs> so Uh, On that note, guys, I hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, And uh, thank you to our friend here, uh, ChatGPT, for joining us on the Adams Archive. Thank you.